1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. As I'm taught the Word of God, my life has changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. Well, if you would turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Since the beginning of the year, we've been in a series entitled The Truth About Money. And as I said at the beginning, praise God, this year in 2020, what has been a year of curse for the world, it has been a year of blessing for us. And we have walked in the supernatural provision of God. And that's going to continue. Our two launching verses have been Matthew 6 and verse 21, where Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In Matthew 6 and verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And as we've learned, if a man or woman, if they're not right with their money, with their finances, then that is an indication that something is not right in their life. As we've learned, if the kingdom of God does not have a man or woman's money, then the kingdom of God does not have their heart money. And how we handle money, and how we use money, how we think about money, it reveals our heart and our priorities. And as we've learned, the purpose of our prosperity is so we can be a blessing. In Genesis 12 and verse 2, God told Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Many believers want to be blessed, but they don't want to be a blessing. And it simply doesn't work that way. Now today's message is entitled, Don't Be a Rich Fool. Tell your neighbor, say, don't be a rich fool. Tell your other neighbor, say, don't be a rich fool. Of course, as I say that, I think about Mr. T, him saying that he pitied the fool. And I'm so thankful growing up that my parents, they encouraged my sister and I to read the book of Proverbs on a daily basis, to build the wisdom of God into our lives and to not be a fool, not in any area of life. So today's message is entitled, Don't Be a Rich Fool. Now point number one is this, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Number one, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Say all kinds. All kinds. 
and, and there's more than one. Now we're dealing more specifically with money and finances, but there, there's all kinds of greed. And people in their lives, they can be consumed by greed and by envy and jealousy over any number of things. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Luke 12, beginning in verse 13, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And again, before the message, we're talking about church etiquette. You don't show up bossing the, the teacher and the preacher around. You're not going to get the results you're looking for. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you. Now, in their culture, the firstborn son was given preference and special rights when it came to the inheritance. And often, the firstborn son was given a double portion of the inheritance. So a brother comes to Jesus. And I think we can assume it's the younger brother. Verse 13, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. We would say it this way, teacher, Lord Jesus, make my brother divide the inheritance with me. And if you haven't figured it out, you can't make a human being do anything. So in dating, getting dating, looking for a spouse, don't be looking for a fixer-upper. Their heart has to be right with the Lord. You can't make another human being do anything. And it's amazing how when someone dies and there's money or there's an inheritance, people's true colors come out. But you can't make somebody do what's right. This is a financial dispute among brothers. And what are they fighting over? Money, the inheritance, land, wealth, livestock, whatever it is, they're fighting over money, things, possessions. Remember, the Apostle Paul said the love of money, not money. The love of money is a root, not the root. It is a root of all kinds of evil. My father always taught us that when someone does you wrong or takes advantage of you or steals from you, if you'll just put it into the hands of God, God will make it up to you. You got to look to our Heavenly Father as your source and your supply and your provider. But when you try and get on Facebook and post something nasty or Google or Yelp or whatever it is, when you drag them into court, you're not looking to God as your source, your supply, and your provider. Or when you try and get an authority like Jesus or anyone else to make someone do something, you're not looking to your heavenly Father as your source, your supply, and your provider. Verse 15, then Jesus said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds. Say all kinds. All kinds. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now what is greed? Greed is an intense, selfish desire for money, power, or wealth. Jesus said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance or the amount or the quantity of his possessions. 
and we'll deal with this, that Jesus is not saying that things aren't important, but it's a matter of having the right perspective and the right priorities. Because in any of our lives, eternity is knocking on the door. Remember, as Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money, not money, the love of money is a root, not the root, it is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people eager for money. What is that? Putting money first, being consumed by it, chasing after it, putting it first above God, putting it first above your husband or wife, putting it first above your children. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and they have pierced themselves with many griefs or worries or problems or troubles. As we learned a few Sundays ago, our prosperity must have a purpose. And our prosperity must have a righteous purpose. Money is a tool. In the hands of the wicked, money is often used for evil. In the hands of the righteous, money can be used for good. And God wants us to be able to use money for good, to be a blessing, to be generous, to see people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, to leave an inheritance not just for our children, but for our children's children. As pastor says, to pave the way, to smooth the way, to make their way in life easier, not harder. Now number two, a man's life does not consist in the abundance or the amount or the quantity of his possessions. You know, growing up, we had a family member and he worked hard, had his own business. His life was the American dream and he had something, but because of a wrong perspective and attitude, he never enjoyed it. And because of a wrong perspective and attitude, he was never a blessing to his wife he was never a blessing to his children, and a lot of that got all eaten up by taxes when he died, because while he was alive, he didn't, he thought only of himself, and that number at the bottom of the statement every month, and he didn't think to himself, well, how can I use this to be a blessing? How can I get this as much as possible to my children or grandchildren tax-free? And the problem with it going to the government is it's a waste. Every dollar they get is a waste. Every dollar they get is wasted. So number two, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. We, we learned a few Sundays ago that eternity is knocking on the door and you can't take it with you. You can't be buried with it. And even if your family writes you a check and sticks it in the casket, that is meaningless. So you got to have the right perspective. Got to have the right priorities. My father often says that when we draw our last breath, cars, houses, it won't matter. All that will matter is God and family. Verse 15, Jesus said, watch out. Tell your neighbor, say, watch out. Tell your other neighbor, say, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds, all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. We all need possessions, but we must have the right priorities. Do you have possessions, or do your possessions have you? 
Now, there are believers, and they have the wrong mindset. They have the wrong mindset that it's wrong or sinful or unspiritual or unholy to have anything. And to that I say, nonsense. Satan wants Christians deceived about money so they have no ability to be a blessing. Satan wants Christians to be poor and in lack and in need. Why? So they have no ability. No ability to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. No ability to be a blessing to their family and their children. No ability to be a blessing to those in need. No ability to use money for good in this wicked world. And I'm of the mindset that we, we ought to be able to influence this culture just like the wicked do. But how are the wicked able to influence this culture for evil? Well, they're using money to do it. So there's, there are people and they have the, the wrong mindset that it's wrong. And they, they always talk like, you know, real odd, real quiet, real weird, wrong. Or in the King James English, that it's wrong to have anything. And whenever you come across someone like that, if you could spend a week or two weeks with them, they're simply not a doer of the Word of God. And their wife would tell you that it would be nice to have some things. It's a lie. It's a deception of the enemy. But we've got to have the right perspective, the right priorities, because Jesus said a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. And it can be gone in a moment, in an instant. So do you have possessions, or do your possessions have you? Now, in and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with things, and God wants you to have things. And God knows that we all have need of things. Food, clothes, provision, a car to drive, a home to live in, money, savings, and plenty left over so you can live in peace. Amen? So you don't live every moment of your life stressed and worried and, and anxious and in fear. So you can sleep with the sleep of the righteous. Amen? Amen. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6 and verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus did not say that we'll do without things, food, clothes, provision. No. He said if we live life God's way, not our way, if we live life God's way, then all these things will be added unto us. We all need things. Food, clothes, provision, money, finances. We all need things. We all need possessions, but we must have the right perspective and the right priorities. There's nothing wrong with things, and God wants you to have things. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. As long as your desires are good and godly and righteous and in line with the Word of God, don't let any religious person make you feel bad about your desires. Mark eleven twenty four. 24, Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, what things? He said, what things soever you, who desires? You do. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. What things? What things does God want you to have? The things soever you desire. And Jesus said that when you pray in faith, believing you receive, you will have, you shall have the things you desire. But do you have possessions? 
or do your possessions have you? There's nothing wrong with things. The issue is when things have you. The issue is when things have your heart. My father always taught Christina and me that stuff can be replaced, but people cannot. Stuff can be replaced, but people cannot. Stuff can be replaced, but people cannot. My father's not told this story in a long time. I would have been a little guy, maybe Samuel's age. And back in those days, things were very different. And so I offered to my father, or he was washing his car, and I wanted to help. And I picture I'd be like Samuel, wanting to help, wanting to be a part, wanting to participate. And my father went off to do something else, and when he came back, I had taken a wire brush to the side of a black car. Things are temporary. Things are passing away. Things are being built new every single day. Things can be replaced. But when a child does something or damages something, what are the words that come out of your mouth? The other Sunday, we were getting in the car, going to church. You know, now that we got girls, we got girls, we got girls. Got one boy and four girls, praise the Lord. And girls got to accessorize. And Julia's got to have, we got purses everywhere. And you just can't have one, you got to have them in different colors and different sizes, with bling on them and metal buckles. So we're getting in the car for church, and you know, Sophie comes out with her bag, bang, 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 glory to God. Sweetie, be careful. But they're things. Things can be replaced, but people can cannot. And the things, see, if we'll have the right perspective and attitude, the things are no big deal to God. It's no big deal to him to provide you with some new thing. It's easy. Things are replaceable, but people are not. So how do we treat those closest to us? How do you treat your husband or wife? How do you treat your children? Are you generous? What's the stuff for if it's not for being a blessing and sharing and giving? I said, what's the stuff for if it's not for being a blessing and sharing and giving? Right perspective, right attitude, right priorities. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. There are things that are far more important than possessions or how many possessions you might have. What's more important? God and the kingdom of God. What's more important than possessions? Family. What's more important than possessions? Children. What's more important than possessions? The lost. What's more important than possessions? Eternity. Eternity is knocking on the door. So we've got to live with the right heart, the right perspective, the right attitude. The issue is in things. The issue is when things have you. The issue is when things have your heart. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? I said a few Sundays ago that at the great white throne judgment, when the wicked, dead, are judged, there will be famous people there 
There'll be celebrities there. There'll be politicians there. And you know what? There's going to be billionaires there. There are going to be people. And they had a whole lot of things. But they didn't live for the Lord. And on that day, the things they had won't matter. The things they had won't save them. See, it's about eternity. It's about knowing the Lord. It's about living for the Lord. Number three, it doesn't matter what we say. The only thing that matters is what God says. Doesn't matter what we say. The only thing that matters is what God says. Look at verse 16 here in Luke 12. And Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all. Say all. all. So he, he's not thinking about being a blessing. He's not thinking about being generous. He's thinking about himself. I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Number four, it does matter who gets your stuff when you're dead. It does matter who gets your stuff when you're dead. Verse 16, Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all, all of it. Not, not setting aside part of it, not giving part of it, not setting aside part of it for the kingdom of God, not, not giving it to part of it to bless some farmers in need of help, in need of some seed, keeping it all for himself. I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night. See, we, we all have in our minds that we have so many years, we have so many days. And of course, if the Lord tarries, I believe that if you walk with the Lord, you'll live a long life. You'll live a fruitful life. Amen. But any of us can be an eternity in a moment. And when we're gone, how will we have lived? And what will we have done for the kingdom of God? How will we have lived? And what will we have done for our family and our children and our grandchildren? When, when we're gone, will we leave behind a burden or a blessing? You fool this very night, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who? Say who. Who will get what you have prepared for yourself? So Jesus is saying that it does matter who gets your stuff when you die. You know, occasionally you read a story about some wicked person dying, and they leave everything to a cat. That is a wicked person. They, they could give that money to the YMCA. They could give that money to families and children in need. You, you're, you're dealing with a 
person who their life consisted in the abundance of their possessions. And yeah, it may all be going to the cat, but they bust hell wide open. See, what matters? God. What matters? Family. What matters? Those that do not yet know the Lord. This man stored up things only for himself. This man cared only about himself. He did not care about God. He did not care about family. He did not care about others in need. He cared only about himself. And he lived a selfish life. This man gave no thought to tomorrow. This man gave no thought to eternity or to judgment. He didn't ask, how will I be judged for what I'm doing? In our lives, we ought to store things up for God and for our families. We should give thought to tomorrow. It does matter who gets our stuff when we're dead. Proverbs 13 and verse 22 says, a good man. What kind of man? A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So not even just for his children, for his children's children. And a sinner's wealth is stored up for who? The righteous. So at the end of the day, it finds its way to righteous hands. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. If we're generous with God, if we're generous with the kingdom of God, then we're sending treasures to heaven ahead of our arrival. And as pastor preached so wonderfully during the week of increase, there will be people that greet us when we get to heaven because of our generosity. They'll say, I was saved. I came into the kingdom of God because of your generosity. So in our giving, we're storing up treasures in heaven ahead of our arrival. And if we store up treasures for our families, What's left over will go to them when we die. A good man. What kind of man? A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Now, there's a flip side to this. And I thought about leaving this out, but it, it needs to be heard. There is a flip side to this. What kind of man leaves nothing behind? Not for God's kingdom and not for his family. What kind of man lives an entire life and has nothing to show for it. Friends, that is a different kind of selfishness. There are many kinds of greed, and there are many kinds of selfishness. There are many kinds of greed, and there are many kinds of selfish living. A good man, what kind of man? A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Number six, We can store up things only for ourselves, or we can store up things for God and for our family and for others. We can store up things only for ourselves, or we can store up things for God and for our family and for others. Luke 12, verse 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. So Jesus is not saying that savings is wrong. Jesus is not saying that savings is wrong. Don't don't be a super spiritual fool. 
Well, Jesus said not to worry about tomorrow, so I don't believe in saving any money. You're a fool. And that's why we're to read, we're to know the whole counsel of the Word of God. So we don't get off into foolishness, disguised as super spirituality. And again, people that get into all that, they're never a blessing to anyone. Not to God, not to the kingdom of God, not to their family, not to their children. Jesus is not saying that savings is wrong. The Bible teaches savings. Proverbs teaches savings. In the life of Joseph, he, he saved a nation. He saved his family with savings. The issue is generosity. The issue is being rich toward God. Verse 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. So that's the issue. Living a big life that is rich toward God. That's the issue. Living a life that is rich toward God. A life lived for self or for this world or for the things of this world is a wasted life. A life lived for self or for this world is a wasted life. And no matter how much you may have or may acquire, a life lived for self, a life lived only for yourself is a poor life. Live rich toward God. Tell your neighbor, say, live rich toward God. Tell your other neighbor, say, live rich toward God. See, we, we can store up things only for ourselves, or we can store up things for God. We can be stingy with God, or we can be rich toward God. So what do we believe in? Prosperity with a purpose. Prosperity with a righteous purpose. God wants you to be blessed so you can be a blessing. God wants you to have ability so you can be a blessing. God doesn't mind you being blessed but he minds you being selfish like the rich fool in this parable. And we have to live in two worlds simultaneously, the spiritual and the practical. We live ready to meet the Lord at any moment, but we must also live in such a way to raise our children and to handle our finances as if the Lord could tarry another hundred years. We have a duty. We have an obligation to raise our children to serve the Lord in these days and to provide for them and to leave an inheritance for them and to make their way easier, not harder. Kenneth Hagin often said, some believers are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. The Bible and the things of God are not opposed to practicality and prudence and wisdom. Years ago, so you don't know this person, years ago, years ago, years ago, in the 80s, a man told my father he didn't believe in insurance. He didn't believe in insurance. He didn't believe in having insurance. Not car insurance, not house insurance, not health insurance. He, he didn't believe it was spiritual to have insurance. Well, what eventually happened? He and his family lost everything. In his fake super spirituality and foolishness, he bankrupted his family. So the Bible is not opposed to practicality. 
We ought to have savings, amen? And if you live and you work 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you ought to have something to show for it. And it's not just for us. It's to be a blessing to the kingdom of God and to those in need. And it is to leave behind a good inheritance for who? Our children and our children's children. You probably heard the story a thousand times that when I started working for the church, I was 15 years old, and I started out whatever the minimum wage was then, and I got my first paycheck. I was so excited until I opened it up, and I saw the final amount after all the deductions for taxes and withholding, and then I saw there was another deduction, 15% for that, for what is uh, the savings mechanism here, and that is a 403B. And I asked about it, and the office told me that our Father has instructed us that every paycheck you ever receive, 15% is going to be deducted. Now, when I was 15 years old, 16 years old, 17 years old, 20 years old, that didn't add up to much, and it wasn't very exciting. But now I'm 38 years old, and 15% has been taken out of every paycheck all these years and has been invested. And praise God, my father's good at that. So now it is pretty exciting. But see, that, that's not for me. I'm speaking to you men. It's not for me. It's for Jessica. And it's for those children. The church has an insurance provider. We have our health insurance through the church. And a few years ago, I found out that the family price is the family price no matter how many children you have. And I think that is just the greatest thing. Amen. <laughs> I believe in the blessing of the Lord, but I also believe in taking advantage of every deal you can get. Amen. <laughs> and when, when kids eat free, praise the Lord. Glory. <laughs> There's insurance on me. There's insurance on Jessica. There's insurance on every child. We have dental insurance. See, this is what a man does. This is what a provider does. He paves the way. He provides the way. And I know some of you moms, you've got to step in and fill the void. That's all right. God will help you. God will make a way. So don't be so super spiritual. You leave a legacy that is a disappointment to those in your family or would lead your children not to serve the Lord. It's serious. Don't be cheap and stingy with God. Don't be cheap and stingy with your family and children. And men, don't try and save money when it comes to taking care of your wife and children and their health and their future and their livelihood and their provision in case anything happens to you. And again, I know, the name on the building is Faith Christian Center. I know, we, we preach the word of God. We, we preach the word of faith. We are faith people. But that is not in conflict with being prudent, being wise, and being practical. A good man. What kind of man? A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So if the Lord tarries, I believe I'm going to live a long life. Amen. But as a husband, I still have to do my due diligence so that if anything happened to me, Jessica and all those beautiful children would be well taken care of. Amen? It is a man's duty and obligation and responsibility. God doesn't mind you being blessed. 
or having more than enough or having savings or having ability or the ability to bless your family or the ability to send your kids to college or the ability to help them with the down payment on a home or he doesn't mind you having the desires of your heart but God does mind you being selfish God does mind you not being generous so are you generous with God are you generous with the kingdom of God are you generous with your husband or with your wife are you generous with your children are you generous if you have any stepchildren and I could get onto that for a while see any child in your household you ought, you ought to treat the same whether they're a stepchild or adopted or whatever it is don't get into favorites and favoritism are you generous with your grandchildren are you generous with those in need a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. My father loves to quote Sir John Templeton who said, the more we give away, the more we have left. And it's amazing. The more we give away, the more we have left. And with children, it's amazing. The more generous you are, the more God blesses you with. There was a year, a few years ago, that my parents wanted to help and be a blessing to Jessica and I that year, and so that year they covered our children's St. Paul's tuition. And sometimes people wonder, I work here at the church as a full-time employee, so I get the same exact discount every other full-time employee gets. There's no special Lingerfeld discount. Amen? And so that's a matter of faith for us every year to believe God for the provision and to cover. But there was a year a few years ago my parents wanted to be a blessing to us, and uh, they, they covered the tuition that year. And uh, I just told the kids, I said, tell Grandpa and Grandma, thank you. But Michaela's first response was, well, does that include sausage rolls in the cafe? <laughs> God bless her, amen? <laughs> They're only little once. So an extra sausage roll here or there is not going to bankrupt you. A generous man prospers. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And what you do for the kingdom of God, God will make up to you. And he'll replace it. He'll multiply it. And what you do for your husband or wife, God will replace it. And he'll multiply it. He'll make it up to you. And what you do for your children or your grandchildren, he'll replace it. He'll multiply it. He'll make it up to you. So God wants you to have the things you desire, but it's so you can be a blessing. Luke 12, 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. So friends, live a life that is rich toward God. A blessed life is a generous life. A blessed life is a generous life. And a generous life is a rich life. A generous life is a rich life. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us, and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again, and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, 
call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.